Welcome to Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. I am Dan. I'm Adam. And we are today, brothers, if you didn't know. <laughs> uh, and today, what are we doing, Adam? We're talking about One Night in Miami, the right. directorial debut of Regina King, uh, and uh, written by a gentleman who we talked about in the episode from two Space Flicks ago, Mr. Kemp Powers, the writer of this film. That's right. Uh, and I will read the synopsis right now just to make sure everybody knows what, what's this movie about. Uh, so, One Night in Miami is a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 60s. There you go. There you go. So fictional account. So something I, I admit, I think I've admitted on this podcast before I am not history was never my strongest subject in school. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I understand this was a fictional account, something I was not clear on and I'm hoping you can clear up for me, Adam is, is there any sort of like, is this completely fabricated the idea of these four men meeting up or is this the sort of thing where like, there's le- legend has it the four of them met up, but nobody's sure what they discussed or whatever. I don't know about the exact likelihood that on the night that Muhammad Ali became the heavyweight champion and beat Sonny Liston, if they literally all got together that night. I do not okay. know. I do believe that they were all at the fight. Right. Oh, interesting. Like, okay. Like Jim Brown was commentating the fight and mm-hmm. Malcolm X was there and, um, and Sam, Sam Cooke, Cooke was, was there, there and obviously Muhammad Ali was there. So like, I think it's one of those, my understanding is like, it's plausible, <laughs> right? Like okay. they, they were all friends, right? They all um, knew each other. So e- even if this, this fateful night were not canonical, it, yeah. it stands to reason that the four of them had interacted before as yes. a group. Okay. Yes. And the, um, the other, th- I, I think the thing to call out is like, there are definitely facets of this that are wrong historically, which we can mm. get into later. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting meaning to learn. like, like the sheer chronology of what happened in real life makes the events of this night, they could not have happened precisely oh, this okay. way. Right. So, but, um, but artistic liberty, sir, surely. Totally. Right. And it's like, not like, and it's like Regina King just, or like Kemp Powers didn't do his homework. Right. It's not like dinosaurs and humans like never <laughs> existed at the same time. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Malcolm X, you know, died three years before this supposed <laughs> night took place. Right. It's right. not like that. Um, so, uh, but I, so there are definitely some artistic liberties being taken in, in the script, but I think the idea is sort of like the lie that tells the truth, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're taking some liberties with timelines, you're taking some liberties with exactly, you know, what combinations of people spoke when, um, but at the end of the day, this was kind of the nature of the dialogue that, the, that this quartet of folks were having. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, that's that's good. So I, I am eager to learn more about, you know, what specifically was a little uh, chrono- chronologically inaccurate about this. 
movie. But first, let's just start with impressions. What was your, uh, or I should say, expectations? What What were you expecting going into this film, and then how did it how did it uh, compare? Well, my expectations were quite high, and I was almost sort of shocked as to how high they were. And because um, there were reviews of this film, and again, I like we've talked about in prior podcasts, I don't really try to read reviews before watching the movie. And so with this one, right. I, I didn't, right? Like I didn't um, Same. Tr- try to get any details. But like just the one-liners from uh, like the critical community, there were people saying like this is the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, that's extremely high praise. Right. To Which, be clear of, of 2020, right? Of 2020. That's right. Um, <laughs> kind of right. early to say best of 2021. And people are describing this as like a masterful directorial debut. And, you know, there are people talking about Oscar nominations for some of the performances. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, wow, this is going to be. So this like, is really good. Yeah, this is power. This is a powerful film. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know if my expectations were, um, too high, right? And I understand why they have to do that. They got to get people to watch it. Um, and so, uh, in that regard, uh, I was expecting, you know, like Oscar caliber performances and masterful direction and mm-hmm. like, you know, best original screenplay caliber writing. Right. Right. And, um, it was good in all of those regards. Right. But I, but, but a, I think, a bit of a letdown given how high your expectations yeah, were. Yeah. And it's a little bit unfair of me to judge it in that way. Right. If this movie mm. had gotten the same amount of fanfare as a movie like The Wolf of Snow Hollow, mm-hmm. right. I would have been like, this was great. You know, but, <laughs> um, but just because it was so, yeah, so lauded walking in, I, I, you know, it probably had impossibly high expectations. That's, well, uh, you're making me grateful. That not only did I not read reviews, I didn't even read any of those one-liners you're talking about. I think gotcha. I, I think I was like only just, just even dimly aware that this movie existed. And then mm-hmm. you proposed. I think you said you watched it, or you know, you mentioned you were planning to watch it or something. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out too. And I really, I really knew next to nothing about it. Um, yeah, I do think I will acknowledge, I think I had a vague awareness that it was highly regarded, but I couldn't even tell you anything I read. I I probably, probably just the sort of thing where like I saw a banner ad for it and they, and they had some excerpts that I didn't even read, but I just sort of saw them in my peripheral vision, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I had, I had an idea that this was a highly regarded movie, but beyond that, my expectations, it sounds like we're not nearly as high as yours. In fact, um, if anything, I had the expectation that this was going to be, you know, a movie with a lot of talking and it was going to be mostly about the performances and the acting and, the, and it'll be very character driven. And and as I've as I've admitted numerous times, you know, in, in previous episodes of this podcast, that tends to not really be the sort of thing that I get really into. And so right. I expected that this would be one of those, you know required viewing like i should see it it's probably given given the subject matter right these four major you know historical figures um for, for me in particular malcolm x and muhammad ali I, I i i i'm not as familiar with sam cook or jim brown um but i should probably see it it's probably got a lot to say it's probably got good performances etc right but i yeah. i i kind of expected to be honest to be a little bored um 
talking which is movie. How, yeah, which is how I tend to get with these kinds of movies where it's the sort of thing where the movie ends and then I'm like, I'm glad I saw it. <laughs> you know, I right. wasn't super engaged. I wasn't that into it. Um, but I would say because probably my expectations were that I was going to be somewhat bored, um, I probably had the opposite, you know, takeaway from you, which is that I was impressed. I was, I enjoyed it more than I expected. Um, and that's not to say that I would necessarily join the chorus of people calling it a masterpiece. I don't think I, I don't think it affected me that strongly, even if maybe it should have, you know, I, I, I tend to be kind of a hard person to, (laughs) to have a big emotional impact on, I think often. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I found it really engaging. I really enjoyed watching the interactions between these characters. Um, and I think what I liked most was how different they were and how the movie did such a great job. It sort of reminds me of how, how I um, felt about Trial of the Chicago 7, where mm-hmm. just those two competing ideologies, I felt the movie, I felt that movie did a good job giving fair representation to both. You know, sort yeah. of n- neither invalidating the other, just sort of presenting them both articulately. I think this movie does the same, but with more than two perspectives, right? But there's there's sort of two, I feel, there's sort of two main perspectives that are presented, namely of Malcolm X versus Sam Cooke. Yeah. Um, and Muhammad Ali and, and Jim Brown are both very much in there and both play an important role. But I think that as far as as far as like clashing ideologies go, those are the two strongest ones. Right. Um, and I just thought the movie did a great job with those. And I really loved, I really loved, I think in this case, how, you know, maybe unlike trial of the Chicago seven, even though I know that movie is also, those are real people. But I think in this case, they're more famous people, right? I mean, Malcolm X and Sam cook. These are, these are larger than life, like top of their game kind of individuals, you know? Um, and for it to, yeah, um, all four of them are right. Like the we're, the we're absolute best pinnacle, in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I think it was just it was just so so gratifying to me to see this movie. I mean, frankly, I was getting an education, right? <laughs> even right. even as I was also just enjoying a movie as an audience member. Um. So I really liked it. I I I just really felt like, oh, this is great. It's helping me to appreciate, you know. I'm learning about Malcolm X. I'm learning about Sam Cooke. I'm getting to see these, you know, these people in a different light than I'd ever really seen them before. And, and I really, I really appreciate which each of them has to say, you know, and it's one of those, you know, like the old saying of, um, or the old, uh, I guess like parable of like the, the blind men feeling an elephant, um, where one is like feeling the tail and one is feeling the leg and one's feeling the tusks. And the one is like, Oh, this animal is very like hard and smooth. Right. And another one thinks, Oh, this animal is very rough to the touch. And another one is thinking this animal is very soft. It's like, they're all correct. They're just feeling different parts of the animal. Right. That's kind of how I felt about Malcolm X and Sam cook in this movie that like, right. They're both right in their own way, but they both see it from a different perspective. And, yeah, I mean, I always love when a movie's kind of, um, this might not be the right word. I want to say compassionate towards multiple competing viewpoints. 
Like it, like the movie, I feel like the, the writing of the movie, the way it's presented, it's sympathetic to Sam Cooke and it's also sympathetic to Malcolm X. Yeah, so, for sure. And, and Muhammad Ali and, and Jim Brown. So, right. um, yeah, really liked it personally, uh, more, more than I expected to. Again, I, I don't think I would personally go as far as, as masterpiece or, you know, best of the year, but, um, but I really liked it, uh, and, and I think it, I think it might have helped the movie for me. It might have helped my um, experience of the movie that my expectations were, frankly, you know, kind of lo- not like not like I expected it to be bad, but I did not expect to enjoy it that much. So yeah, I think the fact that um, this has not this this suite of relationships had not been made into a movie prior is sort of like an interesting piece of evidence that um, like the depiction of black stories on screen is like this relatively untapped Mm -hmm. like pool of content, right? It's like, wait, you're telling me that the greatest football player, boxer, singer, and like political thinker like of their generations were good friends, Mm -hmm. right? And nobody has bothered to like, talk about this set of friendships like in movies it's like fair, ever yeah. it's like Why? kind of insane right it's like it's it sounds made up right it's like mm-hmm. what if uh you know like jesus and john lennon and gandhi and abraham <laughs> lincoln were best friends right? Right, right it's like it's like yeah that's ridiculous that's bill and ted right but it's like in this movie that's actually kind of true and it's yeah. like kind of stunning that you know that people like you and me you know hadn't just like accidentally stumbled across this information in life and it just goes to show it's like wow if this kind of story doesn't get told right imagine how many other stories are not getting told that you know are frankly astounding and uh you know have there's opportunity for them to ultimately get portrayed on screen so it's kind of exciting for what it portends in a way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's no explosions in this, Adam. There's no, there's no martial arts. There is an explosion. Well, it's like, well, I mean, it's like at the end, right? Oh, true. True. Yeah. Actually, I forgot about that. Um, all right. Well, spoiler, spoiler warning folks. There's an explosion (laughs) in this movie. Right. (laughs) That's, that is the reason to buy a ticket to this movie is the tremendous pyrotechnics on the fence, but you were like, "Eh, I don't know, no explosions. I got good news for you. There is one. Yeah. You're going to get your explosion. Um, all right. Well, I will just say from what I'm, from what I'm saying about my, uh, you know, impression of, of the movie, Let's call this yet another data point in support of don't read reviews. And if you can help it, don't even read one liners. Yeah. Your joy (laughs) in life will go up. I think that's right. Um, so let's talk about themes of the movie. Um, I think a, a logical place to start would be the two competing ideologies that I already referenced. Yeah. Um, I think, Tell me, I feel like you're going to be more articulate about this than I am, but I'm going to take a, take a stab at it anyway, which is that I feel like fundamentally where Sam Cook is coming from is that, um, and I think Jim Brown kind of supports him later, you know, in a sort of separate conversation. I think mm-hmm. Sam Cook 
fundamentally like the way it, the movie presents him is this is a, you know, pop singer, like a popular singer yep. whose, whose songs are basically just sort of like light and airy, like songs about love songs mm-hmm. about very unobjectionable, you know, not topical things. Right. Um, and Malcolm X kind of challenges him on that in the movie. But, um, but his position is, you know, it's not necessarily about my cultural impact, like the things I say in my music, the th- what I'm doing with my music is making a lot of money and I'm working with other members of the black community and supporting them and helping yeah. them figure out how to have business savvy and how to like make deals and put themselves out there and produce, produce money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and be good business people. And I'm, and I'm making more money for black mm-hmm. people. And like, basically the argument is my contribution, <laughs> you know, to, to the betterment of black Americans is economic. I'm helping yep. them make money. Yep. And Malcolm X I think his viewpoint is more that it really matters how we're perceived, you know, and that we need to be respected and that we need to be, you know, treated better. And, and he kind of, I think what Sam Cooke is doing is a lot more kind of behind the scenes and what Malcolm X is trying to do is a lot more in the faces of everyday Americans. Yes. Right. He's like, you got to get out there and talk about it directly and get in people's faces and make them uncomfortable and make them confront, you know, the reality of that we need to be treated as equals and we're not. Right. Um, and so to me, that's kind of, to me, that feels like the main theme of the movie is those two competing ideologies. But, but, right. but do you think I'm more or less on the mark there or how would you characterize yeah, it? Yeah, I would say that the, the, just, um, just a different way to articulate, I think the exact conflict that you're describing is it's, the theme of the movie is sort of a question, right? And the question is, what is the best way to mm-hmm. further the cause of um, black equality and empowerment in this country, right? And the debate that's being had is, should we speak about how that's what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Or should we... Uh, or is that not really the relevant topic? Is the thing that we should do... Uh, achieve economic power. And that's how we will like by taking economic uh, power, that is how we will force the conversation about being viewed equally. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that I think is really the, the, the question at the heart of the conflict is like, what is the best way they, they agree that it's a thing that they want. Right. Right. Like it's more a matter of tactics and philosophy. Right. Um, and so I think that is ultimately like the theme of the film and um, all of them are wrestling with this in different ways, right? So as an example, uh, like between the two athletes, between uh, Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at the time of the film, um, you know, Brown is openly contemplating like, should I just stop playing football, mm-hmm. right? Um and just be an actor in movies going to Hollywood. Yeah. And I think Ali is like, wait, you're one of the greatest to ever play football. Why would you stop doing that? Right. That Mm -hmm. is how you have a platform to like be a black role model. Right. And an influential Mm -hmm. person. And Brown is like, 
my knees are going to give out. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like I could be in movies and just like coast. Right. Yep. And, and there's this sort of, um, conflict between what is good for me personally. Right. And then what, like what allows me to have the largest possible platform. Right. And then there's like, and then once you have that platform, it's like, what do you do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's this interesting, like couple of different quad, uh, you know, this is like this four quadrant thing, right? Like what's the way you get the platform and then what do you do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. Once you have it. Um, and I think they all sort of razz Malcolm X because it's like, you're the only thing you do <laughs> is like talk, right? Who, like they, do they all razz him? I feel like it's specifically Sam cook, right? Yeah, yeah, but I don't, but no, I don't think anybody's None like, of them defend him, yeah. yeah. Right? He's uh, sort of like, the I, three of us are incredibly talented. <laughs> what's, right. What's your talent exactly? Right, yeah. and and in some ways, one might argue, his talent is wrangling and directing sort of the the talent and influence of people like the other, his three friends. Yeah, right? I mean, and it's like, those of us watching the movie recognize the absurd it's sort of like you can understand how sam cook would would challenge him in that way in that moment right in the scene but at the same time it's like no one is questioning whether malcolm x is a talented person you know right right like everybody knows who that is right like in america today he he um it's a different kind of it's it's sort of it's less, uh, you can't put your finger on it quite as, quite as easily as you can the talent of a great singer or a great boxer or a great football player. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that's a good way of putting it, you know, how, like, do we talk about it or do we sort of address it indirectly? I mean, you know, normally the contrast I think of like when I think of a sort of big dichotomy during the civil rights era, I think of Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King Jr. Sure. Right. Yeah. But I, I think, I think this movie does it. Um, it's, it feels like it's probably in broad strokes, sort of like zoomed out. If you're just looking at the gist of the two approaches, it's, it's sort of the same, which is the very confrontational approach, right. Versus yep. the, Versus the kind of conflict-averse approach, you know? It's sort of like work within the system or rage against the system, basically. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, I think you're you're right and the movie's right that there's there are arguments to be made for both approaches. And sometimes, you know, maybe both approaches are necessary. Like, it's like almost like the world needs a Malcolm X and it needs a Sam Cooke, you know? Right. It needs it needs people to be doing all of the, the above. Um, I often think of this as going to be a strange comparison, but um, sometimes I think of uh, uh, when it comes to, you know, what, Nate, just think of any charity that you believe in that you think is good. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance they, they probably somewhere in the world they have people with clipboards standing at street corners, you know, like asking people for donations. Yeah. And... I always, I often think about that as like, you need to be doing that. Like, I think it's very easy to kind of walk past a person with a clipboard and be like, you know, that's not the way to do it, you know? But, right. but that, that 
people need to be doing that. They're bringing in a lot of money, but it's like, if that were the only thing that an organization were doing, right. it would probably be ineffective. So right. it's sort of, it's sort of, uh, you know, like a shotgun approach. Like you, you sort of need everybody to be tackling a problem from every possible angle. Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of how I feel about, you know, the issue of civil rights, like even today, frankly, um, right. That there are people out there in the world today who are trying to shine a light on how broken the system is, whether it comes to incarceration, you know, or police brutality, or just in general, the broken criminal justice system, like calling attention to all of these problems. But there's also people who are sort of not that focused on the problems. They're just focused on helping black communities, you know, in whatever ways they can to achieve better economic progress, to achieve better, you know, education, better opportunities, et cetera. And I, and I sort of can't, it feels to me like you need both. You can't just, if you just had one, it probably wouldn't be enough. Right. Right. So it's a full court press. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. If you just think about like a human being, right. It's like you could feed them, but -hmm. they also need to be clothed and they also need shelter and they also need to be educated and they also need like to be like loved and spiritually enriched. Right. And it's just sort of like all there's organizations that focus on individual aspects of all of those things, but a person needs all of those things. Right. And so it's like, for any one organization or any one philosophy to try to like meet all of those needs is like not possible. Right. Right. Um, right. you know, there's only like one kind of relationship in your life. I feel like that's going to be like that. And that's like a po- a, ch- uh, a parent child relationship. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like beyond that, like the world isn't looking to give you a one-stop shop solution to all your problems. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I totally agree. It's like it, it takes a village. It takes a wide array of approaches and ways of thinking to solve a complicated, seemingly intractable problem. And so I think this movie does a useful job of laying out like, here's a couple of ways of thinking about it, or here's four different ways of thinking about it. And the truth is probably across all of them and transcends them, right? The, the, the truth is probably like uh, exists outside of them as well. You can't, the holistic solution is not represented just by these four people. Right. Um, okay. So I think that, I think we've, I think we've touched on what I think is the biggest theme of the movie, but are there any other sort of secondary themes that you want to talk about or should we move on? No, I think that's the big, that's to me the, the big one. There's, there's several like motifs and different ideas that are peppered throughout the film, but those feel more like details and color than sort of like the spine of the thing. Well, why don't you list them real quick? Just for well, completeness sake. Um, there's this undercurrent of, uh, like, I don't, again, I don't think this is like a theme of the film, but like, there's this sort of really sad reality that like safety or lack thereof Mm, is like mm -hmm. a prevailing like concern that these men have to be thinking about. Right. Yeah. Especially given their, their, um, stature, right there. Right. Right. Visibility. Um, and so just like the fact that the entire night, you know, they are tailed by security and there's like constant references to the fact that they're probably being watched or observed by, 
you know, intelligence officers of some sort, right? Um, It just sort of speaks to the target that a certain type of, you know, like uh, notable black person in this country is going to feel in a way that other, you know, races of folks probably don't have to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny today, uh, I think of, you know, any celebrity, anybody who's in the public eye has to deal with invasions of privacy, right? With the paparazzi Mm -hmm. and people who are trying to get photos and stuff. But um, it does seem like a very different beast where, you know, because you're famous and you're black, if people are, are, are probably stalking you, but a lot of those people are actually want to hurt you, which Mm -hmm. is, I think is, you know, probably not true of, you know, Ben Affleck (laughs) or whatever, right. You know, just a modern star who's just like, Oh, leave my kids alone. You know, don't take my picture when I'm on a jog, but you know, I guess it's all relative, right? I I would take that over people who, think that you're, you know, think that you need to be put in your place because you don't deserve. Right. Because of the color of your skin, right? You don't deserve to have the level of success you have, which is what the people, what the characters in this film are dealing with. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. I think that's, there's an undercurrent of that. Um, should we just move on to best parts of the movie? Yes, sure. Okay. Let's do it. So this is where we spoil the movie. Uh, there you go. There's the spoiler warning. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's not that there's a ton to spoil in this movie. I don't think, but I don't know. Let's get into it. What's what's one what's one of the highlights of the movie you want to name? Well, one of the highlights of the film for me. Uh, well, let's just be honest. I'm I'm the same as you in the sense that after the movie ended, there was a fair amount of Wikipedia ing happening, <laughs> right <laughs> afterward. Because I was like, people? oh, right. I mean, like, um, you know, I I quite like the music of Sam Cooke and have for a long time. But, you know, I didn't I, I couldn't tell you chronologically, like, when did the song A Change Is Gonna Come, mm-hmm. you know, like come out. Right. Relative to the rest of his catalog, as an mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so uh, but one of my favorite parts in the film uh, was certainly uh, the sequence near the end where Sam Cooke does perform Chain's Gonna Come on uh, the late uh, late show with Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. right? or The Tonight Show, excuse me, with Johnny Carson. And um, I just found, uh, you know, I, like nobody is Sam Cooke, right? Not even Leslie Odom Jr., who's um, uh, a very, very talented performer, but that being said, like, I loved his performance, right? Like, I thought Leslie Odom Jr. did a fantastic job as an actor in this film and as a perfor- as a singer, right? He has to do, like, a yeah. doubly hard job, right? He has to play an actual person, and that person happens to be one of the greatest pop singers of all time, and <laughs> yeah. you have to sing, right? Right. Um, and so, but he, I thought he did an amazing job, and I thought that that performance was, like, haunted and emotional. And so... Um, so that made the per- so that was just a, a great sequence, and it did what good montages do, which you know help you sort of understand like where all these characters are transitioning from and to, and puts it within sort of the it, it puts it within sort of the sonic glue of the song, which is of course very thematically important 
for the movie because it is this song. It is like the one song that Sam Cooke wrote in his career that was with an eye toward like being explicitly about right like inequality and and the like the progression of civil rights in America yeah. right so i so i loved that then um that mo- that particular song was specifically like referenced in the film as a reaction from Sam Cooke to Bob Dylan's blowing in the wind mm-hmm. right and so my wikipedia deep dive afterward <laughs> Revealed the following. Sam Cooke, like, so in reality, this fight uh, taking place between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston happened on February 25th, 1964. Mm -hmm. In real life, Sam Cooke performed Change Gonna Come on The Tonight Show like two weeks prior or three weeks prior. Oh, interesting. Right? So his sort of assertion that like, I'm working on something, I haven't played it for anybody, that wasn't actually true. He had actually played it to the entire nation Right. Mm -hmm. Like a few weeks weeks before. Right. And that's where it's like, but would I believe that Malcolm X and Sam Cooke had had a conversation about blowing in the wind? Totally. Yeah. Sam Cooke covered blowing in the wind. Right. Like he liked that Mm -hmm. song. He's on record as saying he wished he had written it. Right. Mm. Um, And so like that's one of those things where it's like it made me really love that part in the movie more in some ways, even though I know it's not actually true. It's like but it still feels like it helps us as viewers understand the journey that Sam Cooke went on to put that song into the world. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I mean, and it's, it feels like a very forgivable artistic license to me because there's nothing about, you know, it's not really critical to this movie, in my opinion, that it happens on the night that Muhammad Ali, Ali, sorry, Cassius Clay wins the title. Like, mm-hmm. That's that's sort of relevant because, you know, he's kind of on a high from that and it's kind of a reason for them to all be together. But it's like, really, that's pretty incidental to incidental, I think, to to most of what happens in the film. Right. So. Right. So it's like, yeah, if that was actually two weeks before, just imagine that they met in a hotel room two weeks before Cassius Clay won right. the, the right. title. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's just a great backdrop. And yeah. then to like further make that moment in the movie more impactful based on what I learned about happened in real life, that performance of Sam Cooke performing that song on The Tonight Show uh, was the only time he ever performed it live. Oh. And... NBC does not have a recording of that performance. What? They like didn't save the tape. Wow. Right? So there is, this is the only way that you can watch in a weird proxy way, uh-huh. Sam Cooke performing that song live. Wow. Right. In that moment. Right. And Wait, so are it's you, like, sorry, did you say he never performed it live? Sam. Other than so that one time. That's right. And, and I, uh, you know, not to like, continue we can talk about this later but in case you you might not know this like both malcolm x and i mean the movie explains the first part but doesn't explain the second part both malcolm x and sam cook are dead within a year of the events Mm. of this film yeah right and so like sam cook just uh apparently like and i i would i would talk about just that song for probably Mm -hmm. like another 20 minutes if if you wanted to but like Basically, my understanding is uh, it came to him practically fully formed in a dream, 
And uh, when he, after he recorded it, like his, I think some of his like bandmates or his band leader or whatever, it was like, I don't want to play that song mm. live. Right. Yeah. And Sam was like, yeah, me neither. Mm. Right. Because it was like certainly or like orchestrally complicated, but also like they agreed with one another that it quote sounded like death, wow. right? That it was just it felt like this sort of like eulogy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at any rate, it's I just found like it to be a like final this, song, right, right? Like this haunting song that uh, they even felt that way about it. They're like, "What's up with this song? It's like not like anything else we've ever." Yeah. Yeah. put on tape or perform. And so just like, um, so that being the song that the movie chooses to conclude with and all of the baggage that goes with it. And the fact that there is no record of this performance, like it's just so haunting to me. Yeah. Right. Um, but do you think if you go on YouTube and search for it, like d- did no one like record it and has an old VHS, there's gotta be something out there. I mean, I'll do it. Grainy. <laughs> I would hope. I would hope. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, this will be fascinating if I'm just totally wrong, right? (laughs) I mean, uh, it wouldn't make you wrong if if what I was uh, saying were true. uh, Tonight show. So looking for it. Uh, no. You see anything? Nothing. I don't think so. That's really something. I mean, wouldn't you think, right, that somebody? I mean, I guess they didn't have VCRs back then. Did they not have VCRs that could record? I don't believe so. I don't know when this stuff was invented. All right. That's a shame. Um, you know, I love that. I love the idea that it came to him in a dream. Um, I've read about, um, there, there's a mathematician. Um, I'm not even going to say his name cause I don't think I can pronounce it correctly, but I, I remember reading like interviews with this mathematician that, um, he would basically go to sleep thinking about a theorem or whatever and he would wake up and he would have the solution, you know, he'd have the proof. And, um, my understanding, you know, the way the brain to me, it's, it's just, it's just clear that there's the brain has this capability of continuing to process and do things kind of in the background, right? Like it, it has that facility. And so I love the idea that Sam cook was, you know, thinking about these issues and maybe, And maybe it wasn't in the forefront for him, but he was thinking about them. And then for him to sort of wake up and just be like, I have it, (laughs) you know, my brain was doing this background processing and it was sort of like, I imagine this progress bar, you know, in the background going up like from zero to a hundred. And then it's like, ding, it's ready. The song is ready. I've, I've, I've composed the whole thing unconsciously. Yep. Um, Okay. Yeah, I've, I love that. I, I'm going to swerve and go in a totally different direction for best parts of the movie. Um, yeah. So we talked about, uh, so I think it was just our last episode was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, right? That's right. Yeah. Which is also a uh, a play mm-hmm. uh, turned into a film. And yep. that's true of this movie as well as my understanding. Yep. Kemp, Kemp Powers wrote the play and the movie, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he wrote and there was a produced stage play. Okay. And then eventually it got turned into this film. Yep. So uh, I, I only bring that up because there were some scenes towards the beginning of this movie that uh, I think of as, you know, if you can turning a play into a movie, there's sort of the question of, are there any things we should show 
that we couldn't really show in the play, but we can mm-hmm. show in a movie. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is just boxing matches. <laughs> yeah. Know, between Cassius Clay and his opponent. And, um, I, 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 I think I'm a sucker for boxing in movies. Like I love Rocky. I really liked, um, Creed. Mm-hmm. I even liked the movie Cinderella man, you know, sure. million dollar baby uh, and anything where boxing is in a movie. I think I like, especially if it's done well. And I think it was done well in this movie, uh-huh. but more importantly than just, Oh, I like good footage of boxing. I think, um, to me, the boxing was the most clear illustration. You know, you and I talked before about, um, I think just from, uh, no, it was from our review of soul actually, where you pointed out, that sometimes in movies when they try to show like greatness, yeah. it sort of falls flat a little bit. And I think, but I think like the boxing matches were just so good at showing like he is so much better than the other box. You know, he's just dodging yeah. every punch and just landing yeah. punch after punch. And you're like, this guy's the king. This guy's right. heads and shoulders above everybody else you know and it sort of makes me a little sad that they didn't have anything for football for jim brown right um and in the case of sam cook the only thing they really showed was like him kind of having a bad set which is a strange thing to show to to set things up um but i really liked the boxing with cassius clay i'm just like this is great i'd love seeing him just like completely pulverize these other guys you know yeah um and to me, I, I wish they'd done that sort of more clearly with Sam Cooke and Jim Brown. I wish they'd shown, like, just so we could see clearly these guys are just the best in the world, you know? Right. Um, and, I mean, you know, we saw enough of, like, Sam Cooke to kind of understand that. And there's actually that that scene later in the film showing mm-hmm. him, you know, captivate an audience with no amplification, right? Which is its own kind of, like, amazing moment. Right. Um but there's nothing with Jim Brown, which which bothers me a little. Yeah. Um, I feel like they should have shown like an amazing, you know, touchdown or something. Just like yeah. him pull off some amazing kind of play. Uh, I agree. I agree. You know, maybe and budget got. You know, maybe they only had, they only had so much. But no, I love I loved those boxing scenes. So for me, those were another highlight of the movie. Yeah, and I think it helps illustrate um, how sort of revolutionary Muhammad Ali was as a boxer. Right. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like his approach was so wildly different. Right. He's like, I'm going to be faster and I'm going to like be light on my feet. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to sort of like heavy plodding. Right. Right. Um, and just the way that uh, Regina King was able to show that and show like some very sort of fluid mo- moments where like, as an example, uh, listen would throw a punch and Ali would not only like, dodge it by like just yanking his head back but would also mm-hmm. like do a full 360 yeah. spin no i like, love it. it yeah he just like would walk away it was just like right. i'm just gonna like turn and walk away like play, it was so playful right yeah i'm gonna like your punch didn't even come close right you know uh yeah totally agree and i think you know i'm not um a huge, uh, football historian or anything. So I'd, I'd be hard pressed, but my understanding with Jim Brown is like, he was just a tremendously powerful player Hmm. and like it would take multiple other players on the defense to like drag him down, Hmm. for example. You just Um, couldn't stop him. Right. And so it's like, I agree. That'd be amazing to see. It's, it's probably one of those things where it's like, um, there's probably nothing better than just watching actual clips of the man. Right. Right. Um, 
and you know maybe and i'm sure to your point there's probably budgetary limitations and things like that but yeah it would be amazing to have seen right Um, well it's funny the cast of this movie i mean i guess there's a ton of extras because they have live performances and stuff I was just going right. to say, like, if they did that, they'd have to pay all those actors to play all those football players. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I will say I did notice during, like, the boxing sequences, for example, I, w- I couldn't help but compare the boxing sequence in this movie to a movie like Ali, mm-hmm. right? The Michael Mann film, which uh, this film, despite, I think, I think what's happening in the ring, to your point, is great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the piece that felt, like, off to me was like the the crowd surrounding the stage mm-hmm. right felt very much like almost like a play mm-hmm. right it's like there's a very narrow band of people watching mm-hmm. this boxing match what in what should be like an incredibly crowded arena right, right? and i I'm, it's sort of like i'm sure they're doing that a just to like make it manageable to from a viewer perspective to even like see what's going on mm-hmm. but i couldn't help but thinking like my recollection of those fights in ali is they're just like much more chaotic and there's just right. like tons of people everywhere yeah. um and so uh when i think about like trying to manage that uh in a boxing ring and how regina king had to probably make some choices about like yeah we can't have like ten thousand extras here yeah, so we yeah, gotta like yeah. keep it we gotta light it in such a way that it feels smaller um I'm sure like a football game would have been like a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) We can't, yeah, there's no like dimly lit stadium where you can just sort of be like the rest of the people are in the shadows. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. They're like, we do know that football games are largely played in the middle of the day. Right. Um, outside. Um, so, uh, at any rate, like I, I, I totally understand those choices, but I will say like the, that some of those choices that they made made it made it feel a little more like like a player a little more staged to me yeah yeah i think i mean it's i I, I, it's sort of like i don't want to dock the movie points for not showing us that as clearly with jim brown or even sam cook i would argue right i think what i'm saying is just that i think it helps me and I mean, it seems silly to say, because all these people are already so famous. So a lot of people watching the movie would already know, right? Right. But, but the fact is, you know, like I said, as, as a person who's, who tends to be a little oblivious about things I, I really shouldn't be, um, yeah. for me, and it's not like it was my first exposure to Muhammad Ali, but um, for me, I think it helped me, kind. it kind of like helped me get in the right mindset, I think, for the very conversation-heavy movie that followed and that in in those interactions it was very easy for me to like look at muhammad al sorry to look at cassius clay as like mm-hmm. this guy is amazing you know right. like right. he's the best and i think with sam cook and jim brown especially jim brown because there was no football footage right you just had to go with like i he's believe the best. I, I, yeah. i'm told that this guy is amazing right um Whereas with Cassius Clay, it was like we saw it with our own eyes, right? Yeah. Jim yeah. Brown, we have, you know, basically what we have is a, a bunch of words from like a racist white guy <laughs> right? That, that indicates, oh, he must be really good. Otherwise, this racist guy wouldn't be nearly as nice to him, right? Right. Uh, uh, up right. until he's not nice to him, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what, that's what I would, um, I would have liked to see that for all of the characters. So anyway. Including Malcolm X, you know, like 
Right. Did they have, I'm not sure if they had, I, I might be blanking. I don't think he had any like speeches or, or like scenes where he really inspired and motivated a large group of people. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, he was like a very articulate and intelligent sort of person in this intimate setting, but it didn't really help you to kind of see just how charismatic and, and, and much of a natural leader he was right. Right. For a large group of people. Yeah. And this, is this is where I feel like, uh, the poor movie is, like is damned if you do damned if you don't. Right. Because on one hand, um, imagine that I was like complaining about, you know, oh, the movie didn't show how excellent, you know, Beethoven was right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, to be like the movie, Do I can not, imagine no? the director be like, "Come on, <laughs> like it's Beethoven, right?" Like, um, yeah, and yeah. and you know, on the other hand, I'm like, "But not everybody knows, you know, all the things like me, for example, right?" Yeah, uh, and I feel like you know, it's probably a tough choice in a movie like this to say, like, it is, "How much it is. do we show of these people being great at their thing, and how much of that is like totally unnecessary because mm-hmm. everybody already knows." Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, but I will say, t- tell me if you think I'm wrong. I would argue of these four historical figures, mm-hmm. I think Muhammad Ali is the most famous of all four of them. Um, v- very I mean, possibly. It's, it's, I mean, it's close. I mean, to me anyway, for, for me, it's, it's no, it's no contest, but, yeah. but I'm just sort of guessing that that's probably generally true. And anyway, the only point, the only reason I bring that up is like your argument makes sense, but then why would you only do it for the most famous person? Right. It would make more sense to be like, well, everybody knows how great Muhammad Ali is. So we'll show more of like Jim Brown or more Sam Cooke to kind of like right. fill in for people who are less, you know, well versed. But anyway, I, I don't actually well, have the, any real evidence to, I don't have any data to back up my claim yeah. that he's the most famous. It just, he feels like the most famous to me. Yeah. Um, but they're all famous. So it's, it's kind of splitting hairs. Yep. Um, we can get on to fix the movie unless you had any other highlights you wanted to mention. Other best parts of the film. I Um, should, I should interject and say, we almost always focus on like scenes of the movie, but I mean, highlights doesn't necessarily need to be scenes. I I just want to say, I do think all the performances are really good. Yeah. Um, I think back to back to sort of our expectations and impressions at the beginning, you know, where you said like a lot of them are getting Oscar buzz. I, I wasn't aware of that. I don't think any of them quite stood out to me to the point of like, oh, this person should get an Oscar for this performance. Right. And maybe that's because I'm a Philistine and I didn't appreciate like the nuances of what they're doing. But I, I thought I thought they were all really strong. Like, I think especially in a movie with four main characters like this if one of them is kind of the weaker one, it tends to sort of stick out like a sore thumb, you know? Right. Where you're like, Ooh, I wish they just gotten a better actor for that one part. But I think in this, I think in this movie, I, I thought all four of them did an outstanding job. Yeah, I, I would agree. I like, I think it's exactly the sort of film where if one of them was weak, you would you would feel like oh they had to cut around this person. (laughs) Yeah. It would be like this. It would be like this annoying blemish, you know? Right. Um, where you're just like, I wish they could just do this all over with a different actor in that yeah, one role. Absolutely, but, right? But no, they. I think they all did did terrific. 
Yeah. I mean, I would, for, for my money, I would say I was the most impressed by Leslie Odom Jr. By, because of the degree of difficulty of the part. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you have to go toe-to-toe with Malcolm X. You have to voice what probably to, you know, a modern audience is a little bit of an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to be compared. You have to then perform the in the in the same style as one of the greatest pop singers of all time right you're mm-hmm. like physically smaller than everybody else so you have to like be big when everybody else is physically larger than you you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he has to like have this commanding performance even though everybody else in the room is physically bigger than him mm-hmm. right i don't know it just felt like to me a, a lot really was being impressed asked of him yeah yeah and and to me he did it like effortlessly it's like wow yeah he was like great what an amazing performer he was able to do all of that stuff and i didn't feel like him i didn't feel the flop sweat once right yeah um so that was really but again i agree with you it's like all of them are super talented all of them are really impressive um and so it again it like the thing i mentioned earlier about like oh i'm excited about what this portends for like the um viability of you know amazing stories about, you know, like real life stories about black folks in America. I, like that feels like a thing, but also I'm excited that it's like, feels like all four of these actors are going to have just like more and more opportunities for them Yeah, yeah. because they're all such strong performers. And it's like, that's great to see too. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's always, you know, it's funny. Like sometimes, um, I'm, you know, I I actually, despite us doing a podcast about movies, I feel like I don't see a lot of, you know, low budget indie movies. Um, let's say I, I did sort of in college and I think ever since college, I really, you know, my, I, I tend to, my coverage is pretty low. Um, so it's always interesting to me when sort of like an actor or actress becomes really big Mm -hmm. and you kind of learn like, Oh, they kind of like you know, they sort of leapt onto the scene with this one sort of small role that got a lot of critical attention. And suddenly they got a lot of opportunities after that. Yeah. Um, and you're like, Oh, I didn't even know they were, you know, I don't even know that thing. And then maybe later you go back and check out their sort of their, their breakout role. Right. Right. But, but, um, it is, I'm with you and I hope that this is that for these actors. Um, because I mean, they, they, I think, uh, I forget the name of the actor you just named, but he, he was in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Odom that. Jr. Yeah, Leslie yeah. Odom Jr. I knew him from Hamilton and I, I definitely had seen the actor who played Jim Brown before. You saw him in the invisible man. Ah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. So I recognized him as, as well. That's Aldous but the, Hodge. Yeah. But the actors who played Cassius Clay and Malcolm X, I didn't even recognize. Yes. Um, uh, King, Kingsley Benadir had been in some TV stuff. He had okay. recently played uh, in a, something I haven't seen yet, which is um, in the Comey Rule, which was like the TV mm. movie or miniseries. He played Obama. Oh, okay. um, uh, and I don't know, out. and I don't know Eli Gorey at all, who played yeah. Cassius Clay. So, but yeah, there. Like, I think that was actually something that was somewhat um, surprising to me. Was I feel like in the promotional stuff that I'd seen for this movie, like uh, an idea that was in the back of my head that I realized was just totally wrong as like the movie, as like the movie started playing. I was Mm -hmm. like, 
oh yeah, it's this like this powerhouse cast. That was sort of like what I am. <laughs> that was like what right. I imagined to be true. Well, because right? it's powerhouse like real people. That's right. probably right. 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 And then and then like as I was actually thinking about like watching this movie before, I was like, wait, who are these actors? <laughs> right. Like. <laughs> Right, you it's know? not like Denzel Washington and and Morgan Freeman and you know, right? It's like yeah, no, I'm, it's not, yeah, none I'm, of them. Even though I recognize two of them, none of these actors is super famous right now. Totally right, right. and they but, they probably I hope several of them will be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like I imagined this was like a powerhouse cast, and it's like they're totally talented. Like they are a powerhouse cast, but not from like not a like a perspective. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that was kind of a, a shock to me to realize that I'd sort of projected this thing onto it. And so it's actually pretty invigorating, like, because to your point, it's funny. I would not have considered this to be like an indie movie, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I guess it's not an indie movie, but I, I do think, I mean, it's not, it's not the kind of movie, even if it weren't for the pandemic, this isn't a movie that would have made like a hundred million dollars, right? It's a, right, right. It's a play, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It it would have been maybe it would have been a wide release, but it would have been one of those you know marketed to adults sort of like it, it's it's not a four quadrant movie, you know. It's not. Right, it right. wouldn't have been a huge. I, I think it would have been maybe you know one of those like it would have been a hit in the sense that. It, it 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 was profitable, right? And it, right. and it was a critical hit, and like audiences came out and saw it, but not like one of the biggest blockbusters of the year by any means. Yeah, so you, yeah, and you want to know what I find like really sort of uh, another thing that's sort of inspiring about the movie is like here we've got this movie that doesn't have an A list cast, has a first time director, is based on a play by somebody who's not like a big name in in screenwriting or playwriting, right? It's not like mm-hmm you know, adapted from the best-selling novel or something like right. that, right? And here it is, uh, you know, it, it, it gets made and Amazon decides to distribute it. And Am- it's like the thing on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is like one of the biggest companies in the world is yeah. now like, this is the movie that y'all should watch. Right. Right? Which is like pretty stunning to me, right? That this collection of talent produced this thing and the biggest one of the biggest companies in the world is like we're gonna like putting their weight stake behind our entire sort of streaming marketing strategy around people watching this movie mm-hmm. right it's just sort of like a stunning turn of events when you think like it's one of those things where um you know when you look back on like a big movie like it fe- you know it can feel like oh of course that was going to be big mm-hmm. right but like there were no guarantees that this was going to be big like i think about it's totally different but like i think about a movie like lord of the rings mm-hmm. right and it's like yeah of course a movie directed by peter jackson who nobody knows starring a bunch of people who are not a list stars right about orcs and elves and stuff is going to be one of the most successful film franchises of all time like it feels inevitable in hindsight but it's like insane that that happened yeah right and so it's just sort of like really cool to me that a movie like this can go from you know what you know i think are arguably sort of humble roots and become you know this thing that this giant organization is saying like this is our oscar contender right yeah 
Yeah. Pretty cool. No, totally agreed. Um, I think we're both, it sounds like we're both, you know, even though in the, in the beginning, we, neither, neither of us, at least according to what we'd said towards the start of this conversation, neither of us views this film as a masterpiece, but it sounds like we're both very psyched for the amount of positive attention it's getting. Yeah. Um, it's, which, it's sort of like when we watched, um, like the vast of night mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Very, very, yeah. Uh, very impressive, very promising talent involved and, and kind of happy for them, right. To get the recognition that they've been getting. Yeah. It's great to see talented, good people, you know, succeed. Uh, so bit of an awkward segue into fix the movie, but let's get into fix the movie. I think, uh, I think I kind of already basically said mine with, without, without being in this segment, which is I do wish, um, we'd seen more kind of firsthand of the, just how impressive Jim Brown was as a football player, just how impressive Sam Cooke was as a, as a performer. I mean, I, again, I, I acknowledge that we did see that with Sam Cooke. I think, I guess I feel like we didn't see it for Sam Cooke in quite the way I wanted, you know, because with Cassius Clay, we just saw him straight up demolish another guy, right. right. In, in a boxing match. And it's like, that's the sort of standard way that you demonstrate your greatness as a boxer with Sam cook. We see him with this bad set at the Copacabana in the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then later we see him with the electricity go out and him make the best of that situation in a way that only a star of his caliber could. Right. But it's not like the normal way that he demonstrates greatness. And then we see right. him perform, you know, this beautiful song at the end, but it's, it's, I think I wish we had seen him kind of, in his element, you know, unequivocally winning, right. Right. Yeah. Just sort of massive crowd. They're screaming, they're crazy for him. He's, he's performing one of his, you know, top number one singles. Right. And it's just people going, you know, bananas over it. I think right. I wished we'd seen that. And similarly, like I said, I think I wished we saw more of Malcolm X's greatness. I think it's weird the the beginning of this film, what it chooses to do instead is show, each of these, well, three of them anyway, um, sort of like miss have a have a bit of a miss, right? Yeah, it shows it shows Cassius Clay actually get get knocked out briefly in right. a match, which I understand he still won. Yes, but it was like he got he got punched unexpectedly and it took him off guard and he he fell down. Yep, and Sam Cook bombs, and then Jim Brown has this this meeting with this guy you know who ends up saying a lot of nice things about him and then won't even let him go into his house. So it, it, the movie, I think it's sort of setting it up as, you know, I don't, I don't know. In in Jim Brown's case, it's clearly showing the, that no matter your station, you know, at this time period in America, there's, you're still, you know, racism still affects you. Right. You Um, will always be like, I think, they're all having these realizations to different degrees. I think it's most pronounced in the case of Jim Brown and Sam Cooke, where it's like, kind of doesn't matter how well I do. I will always be viewed as like less than, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's especially pointed in the case of Jim Brown, right? It was Um, a little, uh, yeah, in Sam Cooke's case, do you think it was... Did the movie present it as clearly a matter of his race? I, I was actually a little unclear on that scene. 
I think we, the audience, I sort of guessed it was, but are, yeah. well, like as an example, you know, he starts performing a hit that um, is typically, you know, is known for being sung by a white performer. Right. And you hear one of the audience members like loudly say to her husband, she's like, I like it so much better when this other person performs yeah, it. Right, right? right. And I think we are meant to hear like, uh, oh, and also the fact that Sam Cooke can't even perform the way he wants to with mm-hmm. his guitarist standing next to him as an example, right? Right. Because like, well, you know, you have to sit in the bandstand and if you can't like get with the program, he's like, I'm yeah. one of the greatest performers in the world, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. just let me do my show the way I do my show, right? And so I just think there's this, um, just this condescension from right. the from the venue and from the crowd that we, the viewer of the film, certainly perceive. I don't know that they show... Sam Cook really perceiving it in precisely the same way, although he's no. not he's not oblivious. Like no. surely he understands, right? Yeah, I think I think what makes it a little I always feel like there's this little bit of tension, and this might be a little bit tangential to the movie, but you know, if the movie is not going to explicitly make it about race, then I feel like it's up to me. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. to decide, are these people not appreciating him because he's black, you know, and how Mm -hmm. much like is that supposed to be obvious? Am I am I hopelessly naive for not concluding that at the same time when things aren't like I, I, I get nervous about being a sort of like hypersensitive you know, yeah, you, you never want to like assume something's about race if it's actually not. You know, it's it's conceivable you could have a bad set, not because of your race, but because everybody has a bad set every now and then, right? Or or it could be more about just like the the sensibilities of these people versus what his style is. Anyway, I I think I'm overthinking it, but I think that scene to me, I'm like, it makes me kind of uncomfortable. Like I think I think I'm supposed to assume that it was kind of about race, but at the right. same time, it's not really explicitly that. And so I'm like is it fair to assume that it was? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. Um, and in any case, yeah. regardless of how you were supposed to interpret that scene, the scene with Cassius Clay clearly is like to- totally nothing about that. Right. That's, it's right. just him. It's just him having an off moment basically in the fight. Right. right. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, anyway, back to my over, basically what I'm trying to say is I think I would have preferred for the movie to start off showing each of them at the height of their game in their element, doing just doing what no one else in the world can at that particular moment in history. And because I, because again, I'm repeating myself, but because I think that was so effective in, in how it informed my perception of Cassius clay for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think about why, because the movie begins with all four of them sort of being taken down a peg mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. And it and the movie concludes with Clay cha- becoming Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. with Brown retiring from football, with Cook doing sort of this masterful performance on The Tonight Show, and... Um, Malcolm X sort of departing and creating his own organization. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Oh, well, and then Malcolm X having his house burned down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I feel like 
for, it's just, you know, you wonder at the end of this, it's like, maybe I was about to characterize the ending as all of them being victorious, but I don't know it's that simple. I think it's more like all of them changing, right? All of them transitioning from something that they were to something new, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And... Uh, so in that regard, I was going to, I was trying to think about like, so what is the movie trying to say about the trajectory of things? And I feel like in some ways it was, um, I was trying to organize it around the idea of like, oh, it ends with them being low and ending high. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's that at all. I think it's them being like defined in a certain way from their sort of professional or, um, celebrity sort of vantage and then sort of actively changing the way that they are perceived or the way that they're going to work in the world, you know, after. And that's like a more coherent way of, I think, thinking about it. And so in that regard, your suggestion totally works, right? (laughs) Because you could easily show them all like doing what they do at the beginning and then show them saying like, I'm going to do, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different in some way. Um, at the end. And so in that regard, yep, your suggestion totally holds. I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the same time, um, I think there's, I like your, I like your, the point you're making about how the movie ends with each of them, um, changing, changing their kind of changing the game that they're playing. Right. Right. Um, and I think, what is thematically consistent with that, I think is the way the movie does begin, which is each of them kind of participating in a particular game and Mm -hmm. having a bit of a, you know, having a a struggle in various ways in playing that game. Like in Sam Cook's in Sam Cook's case, you know, he opens his set by acknowledging I've always had this dream of performing here and then it doesn't go the way he wanted. And in Jim Brown's case, it's sort of like, he's receiving all of this praise for his abilities as a football player Mm -hmm. and kind of, and kind of, you know, perhaps allowing himself to be a little bit lulled into this false sense of, because I'm so great at this, you know, yeah, it, it unlocks, you know, the universe for me. Um, and in both cases sort of showing that you're still playing someone else's game. Right. Um, and, so from that vantage point, I, I could see where the movie, what the movie was perhaps going for, what the script was going for in, in showing in showing the sort of limitations when you're playing someone else's game of the of the degree to which you can sort of be the master of your own self and of your own yeah. destiny. And yeah, by the end of the like, film, they're all they're all basically saying, I'm I'm in charge of what I'm doing. Right. You know, with right. myself. Yeah, uh, like I, the the example that of Jim Brown is you know the most literalized version of this, but it's like the doors that you think will be opened for you as a result of your success, you are still not permitted to walk through, mm-hmm. right? Like literally, he's not allowed through a particular door, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I think you're right that they all sort of acknowledge in different ways, like yeah, if this game is gonna even when I'm at the absolute pinnacle like I lose, then I'm just going to play a different game. Right. Right. Makes sense. Any other ways you would like to fix the movie? That's for me. That's it. I I don't really, 
in general, I didn't really have any gripes with this film. A piece of criticism that I levied at Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, I think I want to call out that this movie does a far better job, which is, I had said, like, could you make it feel less like a play, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Make it feel like a movie, right? I think this movie does a pretty good job of that, mm. right? Um, where where we move from the hotel room to a convenience store to the roof to a bar, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it just, and, and it, we were able to in the, um, you know, we have a flashback to uh, Sam Cooke in Boston, right? Like, just mm-hmm. all, you know, just that helps the movie feel more alive and less right. claustrophobic. Um, and, but of course, that being said, I was like, man, we do spend a lot of time in this hotel room, right? <laughs> so that's like, that's probably the one like little nitpicky thing I would have is like, I know that this play fundamentally was written to take place in a hotel room because that's like what a play needs to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, but I felt like I, I would, I applauded the amount of inventiveness and like expansion that the movie took on to take us to different settings and put us in different situations throughout. Mm -hmm. But, but I was still like, this room, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got to say, if anything, that was probably the only thing, you know, I said that I was almost expecting to find this movie a little boring I think that I I don't know that I would have even been able to articulate why, but I think that was part of it was this notion that I'm going to be basically watching four guys hang out in a hotel room for, you know, two hours. Right. And chat and just how long can you really watch that? You know? Um, And I would say that's it. it, The only thing that did maybe start to feel a little bit tedious to me was that, that it was, that it was them in the same setting, not really moving. But I agree with you. It, I think the movie did a good job changing it up just enough that, I mean, it only really hinted, I, I think it only just the, the lightest flirting with boredom for me uh, right? in that one dimension. I never, yeah, again, I never felt bored overall. I think the movie deserves a ton of credit for how it managed to not like be boring. Yeah. Right. Um, and in fact, there were sequences in that room that I found to be quite exhilarating. Like there's a point where um, Malcolm X is on a payphone and he sees a couple of dudes like hovering in the distance, like mm-hmm. that he feels are probably watching him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when he enters the hotel room again, he sort of very um, purposefully sort of marches across the room through the kitchenette and looks out the window to see who's watching him and the camera mm-hmm. tracks with him very very quickly yep. and it's a pretty sort of like exciting moment in the mm. film right mm. and it's like yeah it's possible to take this room and even though you're s- kind of stuck in here and i understand why right yep. like it's possible to shoot it in such a way that we still feel like this is an exciting place to be right and i feel right. like the i feel like um directorially uh, King does a lot of really good, makes a really lot of good choices to say like, we're going to keep reframing this room to make it interesting. Like mm-hmm. we're going to shoot the kitchenette from this angle differently at this part in the film. We're going to shoot the conversation between two dudes, like sitting on the beds differently. We're going to shoot this conversation by the record player differently. So it helps mm-hmm. us feel like we're seeing different things. It wasn't yeah. like, the complaint I had with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I was like, oh, the beginning looks exactly like the end, right? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah. um, but that being said, like, I would have liked to have seen more moments like that tracking shot, like, through the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that is a 
pretty nitpicky comment to make, but it's, you know, just the, just the comment that I have. That's the section we're in. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think I would, I would do draw one more comparison to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is, you know, I, we acknowledged in our review of that movie that it's just something neither you nor I is particularly into the, the general formula of turn a play into a movie just right. because of all the, there's a lot of things that come along with that, that neither you or nor I is, is super into one of them being these kind of long monologue type, you know, uh, portions of the script where character speaks for, you know, two, three uninterrupted minutes. Next character then takes their turn and delivers their little monologue. And it's like, this isn't how people talk. Right. I think this movie, I think this movie firstly has less of that, but secondly, what it does have feels more earned and I think it might be a little bit of an unfair comparison because I mean, I'd much rather listen to Malcolm X, you mm-hmm. know, talk for five minutes than, you know, Levy. Right. Right. But, um, but I think it's not just the people involved. It's also, it's, it's the script but, and, and, and just the subject matter. Right. I mean, they're yeah. talking about very important things. Um, and it's not to say in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, they weren't talking about important things, but I think, it's it's bigger in scope, right? Like yeah. the, the the they're they're having again ideological sort of a, a, an ideological debate, sort of about like which approach is is best, and and is what I'm doing kind of justified? Is it something I can defend? Right. And so it felt it felt more it felt more natural to me that these characters would go on for extended periods at certain points in the movie because like real people would, because you're talking about these kind of big ideological, right. You know, differences. So, um, so yeah, that's just another way in which <laughs> I think to agree with you, I think this movie to, I mean, it's, it's for me, it's very clear. Like this is the, this is the better example. This the superlative example of the potential of turning a play into a movie and what yeah. you can do with that. Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, drag down Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but to me, it's a, I would clearly pick this movie over that one. Yeah, for sure. Great. All right. So I think it's time to decide if we're going to beam the movie up or not, Adam. What do you think? You go first. Okay. I'll go first. I'm almost, I feel, I feel almost like bad saying this, but I don't think I would. Right. Um, Again, I mean, it's like we said at the start, you know, I don't think this movie was a masterpiece. I can't really tell you, I can't really explain like why I don't think it's a masterpiece. Um, It might, it might just be bumping up against that sort of glass ceiling for me of like, there's only so much I can like a play Mm -hmm. turned into a movie. (laughs) Um, It it, it might be that I I couldn't tell you. Um, Like I said, I thought the performances were really good. I thought the, Subject matter was great. Um, but fundamentally, uh, I think it just sort of, it, it, it will stick with me. Um, but it's almost like, it's almost, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's almost like I, I, I'm glad I received these ideas, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like I could have received them by reading a really interesting article you know, or something like that. I think just as a movie, it didn't quite, 
it didn't do the same thing that sometimes movies do for me right. that is unique to movies. And so that's why I'm not inclined to beam it up, but I do, yeah. I do. I'm very glad I saw it. And I, and I, and I thought it was exceptional in many ways and I would recommend it to anyone. That's where I am. Right. I'm in, I'm in the same camp. And I think for me, the reason that it doesn't warrant beaming up is because I require it for me to like the content and the ideas as much as I do required that I go and do additional research and have additional sort of Mm. cultural familiarity with this stuff, historical familiarity with it. And I feel like if I didn't know the things that I learned outside of the film Mm -hmm. about, you know, the stuff we were talking about earlier with Sam Cooke, for example, like, it would not have been as meaningful to me, right? right? And I feel like in a more perfect world, that's the movie's job, mm-hmm. right? To like help you understand why this is important, not have me like go and do a bunch of research and then like, oh, I'm going to fill in the blanks and like create meaning out of this thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so in that regard, I feel like there's a number of items in this movie where you have to sort of uh, bring your own uh poeticism to it right mm-hmm. you have to bring your own like connections and i think that that's a totally valid ask of a director and a writer to have of an audience i think that's re- i i don't think it's unreasonable to do that but i don't think but i do think it um isn't what i'm looking for in a movie i'm looking for a movie to like deliver that whole package to me Right. Um, And so, and maybe this is just me being lazy and, you know, whatever, but I agree with you. It's like, um, I I feel the same way. This movie has tons of things to recommend about it. It makes me excited for all the people involved. Right. Yeah. Like I'd be psyched to watch the next Regina King movie. I'd be excited to watch the next Kent Powers movie. I'd be excited to see the next thing that each of these actors brings to the table. Right. Absolutely. Um, but this movie itself is not, you know, like on the same level as some of the other movies that we beam up and doesn't have that, yeah. that extra something that, um, that the movie, those movies, uh, tend to have. But again, yeah. I think like this is the right step for all of these performers and all of these creative folks to get to that place. All right. Well, there you have it. We both, we both liked this movie, appreciated it a lot, have, have mm-hmm. a lot of great things to say about it. And, um, and I think have a lot of admiration for it. So, so if you're deciding whether or not you should see it, especially if you have Amazon prime, I would say, yes, do. Yeah, for um, sure. We're just not going to beam it up for the astronaut. That's all. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Take care. Bye. Bye.